Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Friday, and sheesh, man, that game last night, folks, that game, absolutely fantastic, really lived up to all the expectations and all the hype, it wasn't a blowout, thank goodness, first game back of the NFL season, and it's not a blowout, yes, sir, give me that, woof, and I gotta give so much credit to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys for hanging along, um, that Dan Quinn defense looked decent pretty good two-point game wasn't getting obliterated by Tom Brady forced a couple of turnovers real solid just unfortunately they gave up the game winning field goal drive at the end of the game truly unfortunate but overall both teams looked real solid and that's what we were saying yesterday folks you know, don't, you know, overreact to the Cowboys losing or anything like that because these are still two of the best teams in the NFC, folks, honestly. Uh, and they really played like it last night. So, we, I mean, we, it's not like one team was better than the other. They are both real solid teams, and they are going to probably prove it for the rest of the season. So, uh, don't worry if you're a Cowboys fan with the loss. It's, you know, it, it's unfortunate that, that it was a loss, but you got to feel pretty confident in that loss. I know it's hard to say that, uh, but man, oh man, Dak was looking absolutely spectacular, which we never had any doubts about. We were watching this man in hard knocks. You know, he was 100% healthy. We we're like, okay, yeah, we can definitely rock with Dak. No worries. Uh, so that didn't catch us by surprise. A lot of people are like, oh my God, Dak, who, who, who would have thought Dak's this good? It's like, yeah, we, we've been saying Dax was good. What? What's that? what? <laughs> Y'all been saying Dax not good? What? <laughs> uh, but either way, uh, today on the show, we make our official predictions, our official picks for week one. We got three locks. We got three 99% guarantees for a total of six picks that we believe are all going to be happening this week. So our first pick of the NFL season, or big week pick, we made our pick last night. All right, folks. All right. We are not out to the best start. We chose the Bucks minus nine. Unfortunate. We really thought uh, uh, Tom Brady was going to take it to the Cowboys defense, but it really wasn't anything like that. So I give a lot of props to the Cowboys last night. Uh, but hey, we got our one loss out of the way. We knew we were going to miss one pick this season. So yeah, let's just get it out of the way in the beginning so we can hit 100% rate for the rest of the time. You know, that sounds pretty good. And we're going to be looking to go six for six in week one. So We've got that today on the show, and then obviously breaking down uh, the game from last night. Got some nice uh, clips to watch, and uh, some, nice some nice highlight packages on both Dak Prescott and Tom Brady, because, I mean, geez, how, how are we not going to watch those two gunslinger quarterbacks that absolutely got it done last night? Fantastic. So, we'll be doing those two things today on the show, but uh, let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day, and what the hell is going on in Baltimore? What is their field made out of? Is it just literal garbage all over the field? Are people not cleaning up garbage all over the Ravens field? Because everybody is getting injured every single day. What the hell is going on? So, obviously, we all know it started with J.K. Dobbins, and now now, yesterday, their other running back, Gus Edwards, he tore his ACL. 
So both running backs are down. We saw them bring in Le'Veon Bell, and then they just had to go and bring in Latavius Murray as well. And we are truly thankful that Latavius Murray has landed a gig. We just talked about this yesterday, two days ago on the show, when the Saints uh, officially released him because he wouldn't take a pay cut. I mean, folks, he was only um, he was only due like two point nine million dollars in the Saints, and they cut him because he wouldn't take a pay cut. He's getting $3 million. The league minimum for the veteran is like $2 million. So what do you want this man to do? Take like a $500,000 pay cut and he said no and you cut him because of that? What the hell? So... We were truly shocked that the Saints did that. We even said we didn't respect the Saints for doing it. Unfortunate, but I still stick by that claim. That that uh, that line right there, I still stay, still stand by that take. But, uh, yeah, glad that he's back on a team now. And, you know, he can, like we said, he can be a number one option, I believe, in this league still. Now he's going to kind of, you know, be playing alongside Le'Veon Bell. And we'll see, you know, who learns the offense quicker, who picks it up quicker to see who is going to be kind of the number one running back out here uh, since both Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins are gone. Um, so we'll see just who kind of takes over as the number one running back out here. I really think both of these running backs are going to be great for the offense, great for Lamar Jackson, and just great for the Ravens in general because they are great rushers in this league. We believe in Latavius Murray 100%. We just uh, you know went over his stats yesterday, two, to get, two days ago on the show whenever we talked about it that uh, you know whenever he was kind of the main focus offensively at the running back position on his teams he was up there for like 800 a thousand yards he broke a thousand yards one season because he was the main man and then you know he was alongside Delvin Cook and alongside Alvin Kamara so you know you're not going to be the number one option and you're probably not going to get a thousand yards playing behind those other two great running backs so Latavius Murray we still believe he has stuff left in the tank to get it done here in Baltimore and uh, hopefully he can come out here put the league on notice, make the Saints eat that uh, pay cut that he wanted to take and be like, hey, y'all didn't want me, and look what I'm doing here for the Ravens. Potentially get into the Super Bowl. So rushing for 1,000 yards, helping Lamar Jackson rush for 1,000 yards, and uh, we'll see what Le'Veon Bell can do as well. But uh, very, very well done by the Ravens here, doing their due diligence and keeping an open mind. And, uh, you know, when shit hit the fan of all their running backs being injured, they made some real smart decisions. So I give John Harbaugh credit. We've been talking about Le'Veon Bell getting picked up this entire offseason. We were begging the Falcons to go out and do it. And then we kind of were like, hey, the Dolphins could probably benefit from him as well. And then nobody was taking him. And it took your starting running back to go down and your backup running back to kind of go down to force you to sign Le'Veon Bell. So, uh, you know, however it got it done, we like that it got done. So I'm a big fan of this Ravens running back room now with Latavius Murray and... Uh, Le'Veon Bell, and they got uh, Alfred uh, Devante Freeman as well. So, I mean, all of these three running backs were getting it done kind of, you know, in their prime. You know, we know running backs prime is, you know, very, very short. One to three years, four years is an outlier. Anything more than four years, it's like, geez, how, what, what do you got? You got bionic knees in you, bionic legs. What do you got? Metal all throughout your body. 
So, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray is now the new backfield for the Ravens that started at J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So, we'll see if this kind of Franken running back room can get it done here for the Ravens this season. I, I You got to give it a, a shot, I would definitely say. I mean, when we just kind of look at what all these running backs have done in their prime when they were the main man, I mean, they all, I think Devontae Freeman even went for 1,000 yards as well. Is Devontae Freeman a thousand yard rusher I um, I'm almost positive I'm like 95% positive he is but let's double check this because if we have three uh, 1,000 yard running backs on this team that's exactly what we're talking about and uh, hopefully they can make it do uh, with the Franken running back room this season <clears throat> so yeah Devontae Freeman back to back baby back to back in year two year three a thousand yard rushers and put up 11 touchdowns in each of those seasons as well fantastic he led the league in rushing touchdowns in 2015 I mean how can you not give this man a look and you know this is exactly what we're talking about you know these are good running backs and when you just put them all together I mean this is really when they're going to thrive when they don't have to be the number one option anymore because you know in running back years they are a little bit older a little bit not not out of the realm of possibility of like doing great things this season you know we're not saying that these are you know 40 year old running backs that are not going to get it done but the fact that you know these running backs collectively all three of these running backs collectively just have to kind of be a number one running back I truly think that they can really thrive in this system especially with with what Lamar Jackson brings to this team with the dual threat ability and the big arm that he has so I really think the Ravens can pull it together this season and at least do something resembling a rushing game now they may not be ready to go for week one and that's going to influence our pick we are going to pick this Ravens Raiders game in our official picks today I'm not going to spoil the pick right yet but I don't believe that Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray will or Devontae Freeman will be ready to go by week one so they'll have to just kind of suck it up for week one once again don't kind of overblow if the Ravens kind of get blown out if they lose relax because they had no running backs what they're going to be kind of rocking with I believe in week one just because ESPN hasn't really updated these uh, updated the death chart right here about the Ravens oh they just put Latavius Murray up here okay well this is new so yeah we'll see if they'll if they'll truly be ready to go by week one by this Monday they get an extra day but they're on the road so it's like can they get them in learn the playbook learn the plays real quick have a real just kind of crash course lesson on what it's going to take to run the ball for the Ravens this season uh, but we'll see if they're ready to go by Monday but if not, they're going to be going with, uh, I believe, rookie here, Tyson Williams. Rookie, correct? We get first season, yes. All right, so I don't know if their running game is going to be really on point come Monday, but we'll see what happens. <clears throat> so that's the new running back room for the Ravens, Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devontae Freeman. I'm absolutely loving it. But that's not all, folks. Everybody else is getting injured. It's not just, you know, uh, selective to the running backs. It's now affecting their defense. Clean up the trash on the defensive field, too. What are y'all doing? So here we go. Confirmed by Adam Schefter. Marcus Peters, their cornerback, has torn his ACL and will miss the season. So, I mean, we were just kind of, you know, ranting and raving about this Ravens team earlier this offseason. We said this Ravens team has a really great defense, and we like their running game as well. But now one of their corners, Marcus Peters, goes down on unfortunate so now they still have 
Marlon Humphrey, but now they're going to be substituting in Anthony R. Uh, Averett. Anthony Averett at the other cornerback position. They also have Jimmy Smith as kind of his backup as well. So let's quickly type in Anthony Averett in our favorite website, playerprofiler.com, to see if this man is going to get it done because we know Marcus Peters is kind of a top 10 cornerback in this league. I, you could make the argument for top 5. I don't know if I would agree or disagree. Make your argument and then we could talk about it. But I can definitely say probably top 10, I would say. So let's see uh, if Anthony Averett is something that we can buy into, believe into come Monday when they have to go and face the Raiders. So let's see what Anthony Averett is up to here. Here we go. Game logs, 2020, played a couple of games out here. Not the entire season, missed uh, weeks 7 through 12, uh, but for the most part played every game in between that. So here we go. Against OBJ, he gave up uh, 0 of 1 for 0 yards. Fantastic. Only one yard, uh, one throw came to OBJ. It wasn't caught. Fantastic by Anthony Averett. Against Kenny Stills, 3 of 4 for 42 yards. Okay, a little bit of a burn there. Against Demarcus Robinson of the Chiefs, 2 of 3 for 14 yards. That's solid. Against Terry McLaurin of Washington, 13 of 14, but for only 80 yards. That's not bad. You were giving up basically every throw, but none really kind of took the top off the defense, so you kept them in front of you, which is good because we know kind of Terry McLaurin could be a little bit of a speedster out there, so not terrible overall. Definitely could have been a little bit better, but 80 yards on 13 catches, that's not even close to 10 yards a catch, so that's not bad. All right, against Travis Fulgram, uh, 0 of 0 for 0 yards allowed. Against Michael Gallup of the Cowboys, 10 of 12 for 130 yards. Okay, so when he's kind of going against the best talent, you know, Terry McLaurin, Michael Gallup, these aren't kind of Tier 1 options, but they're very, very solid Tier 2 options. And Anthony Averett, he's given up a lot of yards and a lot of catches to these players, so that's not the greatest. Against DJ Chark, 2 of 2 for 20 yards. Against Darius Slayton of the Giants, 6 of 10 for 71 yards. And then the last game of the season against A.J. Green, 1 of 4 for 8 yards. That's a good lockup there. But everything else, when he's kind of facing the good talent, the good kind of solid tier 2 wide receivers in this league, he kind of flounders a little bit. So... And we can definitely see that with kind of, you know, the receptions allowed because you're allowing all these receptions with Terry McLaurin, 13 of 14, with Michael Gallup, 10 of 12. So these are, like we said, a, like tier two. These are kind of, you know, cream of the crop tier two. You could make an argument for tier one in some of these cases. But the fact that, you know, he's giving up all these receptions means that he's kind of giving up a lot of space because he knows that they will burn him. So he just has to do whatever it takes to keep them in front of him. So this isn't going to be the best thing for Anthony Everett especially this week facing the Raiders, you know, with their, you know, they've got great pieces offensively, folks. Darren Waller, I mean, we know Anthony Everett's a cornerback, but, you know, he could still be running down the middle of the field. He could still play on the wing, on the edges, on the wings, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he could potentially be matched up with Darren Waller at some point, and that's definitely going to be a mismatch uh, with him being 5'11 and, you know, keeping all, you know, Terry McLaurin and uh, Michael Gallup that can definitely speed right by him. He's keeping him in front of him, and Darren Waller could definitely speed right by this man as well. So this is not the best thing here for the Ravens. We'll see if they rock with Anthony Everett, Everett or if they go with um, Jimmy Smith or whatever, uh, or if they bring in somebody new. We'll see. Uh, you know, they still got uh, – today's Friday. I don't know how many how many more like opportunities you have to sign somebody uh, before really kind of Monday is here, but – 
We'll see. But, yeah, I just don't understand what the hell is going on with this Ravens team uh, that they're getting injured every single day here. It's basically like the 49ers from last season when everybody was getting injured. It's just unfortunate. This happens every single year. You know, a big-name injury, a superstar injury. We had a couple of last season, Saquon Barkley, OBJ, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott. These big-name injuries, they do happen, folks. It's truly unfortunate, but that's just the nature of the game. That just kind of goes to show just how grueling the sport of football is is on, you know, the human body. Even athletes that are in the best shape in literally the entire world, for the most part. Um, you know, they're still getting injured on a year yearly basis. So, so <clears throat> running backs, cornerbacks getting injured, but that's not it, folks. You thought it was done. <laughs> you thought it was over. You thought the injuries... <laughs> Here for Baltimore, we're over? What are you nuts? Come on, these are just beginning. Come on. We got another hour of injuries of the Ravens to go over. Buckle up, folks. This entire show today is just Ravens injuries. That's all it is. So here we go. Another Ravens injury. Ravens are placing blocking tight end Nick Boyle on IR, meaning he misses the first three weeks. So there is a short-term IR, usually injury reserve, you're out for the entire year, but there is short-term IR, and that's what they're putting Nick Boyle on. So no torn ACL like all the running backs and the cornerbacks here for Baltimore, which is great. Uh, we can potentially see Nick Boyle again this season. Fantastic. Um, but... Well, not really the butt, but, um, you know, he's not, you know, they specify that he is the blocking tight end. They already have their passing, uh, pass catching tight end, Mark Andrews. He's still, you know, the number one option. But once again, just going to play into the poor running attack come Monday. So Lamar Jackson, who had the best rushing offense in 2020, is now going to have possibly the worst rushing offense in 2021. So every year, thing is different. Everything's different. The flip of the switch can turn the league upside down on its head just like that and we're seeing that here with Baltimore so now this just puts more pressure on Lamar Jackson and once again I mean this is going to factor into our pick when we pick Monday Night Football's game Ravens at Raiders they're gonna have really not a great rushing attack and what did we just see last night with the Cowboys in the box Zach Martin the offensive lineman for the Cowboys wasn't playing and Zeke had 11 rushes all game long they were just throwing the ball over and over and over again and it worked it worked they only lost by two points and were competitive and had the lead with a minute 22 seconds left before Tom Brady marching him down for the game-winning field goal but well, so uh, Lamar Jackson could make it work out here. He's like, hey, they didn't have the running game. They got it done. They almost won the game. We're not going to have a running game in week one. Hopefully they can get it figured out by week two, getting everybody acclimated up to speed on the playbook and on the offense and everything like that. Um, but uh, Lamar Jackson, just the pressure is going to be on him to go get it done by himself single-handedly throwing the football. So now, you know, everybody calls Lamar Jackson a running back. He's, you know, once again, that's more pressure on him to succeed. So a ton of pressure on here by Lamar Jackson. We hope he swims. We think he does swim, but there's also a potential chance that he flounders big time. And I mean, the media will eat him up. So I definitely don't want that for Lamar Jackson. He needs a nice serviceable game out here come Monday. But man, oh man, the running game is going to be tough. They're uh, without all their starting running backs. They're without their blocking tight end. 
And Lamar Jackson's going to have all the pressure on his shoulders to throw them to a victory because the running game could potentially really be non-existent come Monday. So a ton of injuries here in Baltimore. I don't know what the hell is going on, um, but that medical staff, that training staff better get it figured out because come week two, this roster could be having like 14 eligible players on it because nobody is healthy. So... That's what's going on with the Ravens, folks. Everybody is injured, and now Lamar Jackson, who's kind of in a little bit of a pressure year to keep pace just with Patrick Mahomes, just kind of in accolades a little bit. But, you know, deep playoff runs, I mean, when we're comparing, you know, quarterbacks and, you know, the inevitable argument of greatest of all time when we're talking about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes they will be compared pretty much throughout their entire career because they came in in kind of the same way because they came in at the same time because they are kind of both dual threat uh, kind of quarterbacks a little bit because they can just be so mobile and agile and athletic they can kill your entire team just like that um, with one run one throw one twist of the body whatever it is so Lamar Jackson if he wants to kind of keep up pace with Patrick Mahomes and kind of the greatest of all time argument he's gonna have to start getting deep into the playoffs obviously Super Bowls at some point winning them getting to them all that so big pressure on here with Lamar Jackson just because Patrick Mahomes is kind of setting the pace and the pace is already kind of getting away from Lamar Jackson just like what Tom Brady does with everybody else extends you know setting the pace and I mean Tom Brady and everybody else I mean I'm we're talking miles ahead can't even see him so we'll see what Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense can do we'll see what the defense can do without Marcus Peters and uh you know we'll see if the Raiders can get the victory at home with a lackluster Ravens team overall last second injuries never great and we'll see if everybody rises to the occasion next man up mentality so not great things going on in Baltimore and we will be on the lookout for the newest injury here in Baltimore because I don't know if it's gonna stop I don't know we'll see and as we say that let's just quickly see um has any anybody else gotten injured in the last 20 minutes it would not surprise us what do we got here doesn't seem like anybody else is injured so that might be a record the longest time in practice a Ravens player has gone without getting injured so that's pretty good so maybe it is over hopefully they can't afford to lose anybody else Alrighty, next story up here. Well, finally, Funky Friday has dropped, folks. And Cam Newton told all, laid it all out there and uh, said what he had to say about him being released from the Patriots. So we've got a lot of quotes here by Cam Newton. So let's break them down, talk about them, discuss it. Because he was kind of uh, talking highly of himself. Do we agree? Let's see what he says. Here we go. So here we go. The first quote here by uh, by Cam Newton here. Quote, the reason, oh, no, 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 this isn't the one I wanted to, because this other, uh, this other one had more information on it that I wanted to use. Where is it? Mm, did I not bring it up? Interesting. <clears throat> Interesting. Ah, uh, where is it? I've got it, folks. Relax. The reason why they release me. The reason why they release me. Here we go. Okay, this is it. Okay, here we go. This is a better one. Here we go. Cam Newton. 
quote, the reason they released me is because indirectly I was going to be a distraction without being the starter. Just my aura. That's my gift and my curse. When you bring a Cam Newton to your facility, your franchise, people are interested. Alrighty. Now, yes, I do believe that, you know, Cam Newton, he is a little bit, he is a big name. Former MVP. Obviously, how he kind of carries himself, a bigger personality. He even kind of talks about it, you know, in the video as well. You know, you know, the big thing about Cam Newton is his hair and his hat. I mean, I remember the basketball season uh, playoff game, I believe, in Atlanta. In Atlanta, I was just watching the game, and there's some dude standing up on courtside with a giant ass hat. And I was like. Is that Cam Newton down there blocking my vision by, the, by this ginormous hat? And I get that's his brand. I get it. I'm not knocking it. It's a good brand. Big hats, big hair. I get it. Uh, but I'm watching the game. I'm like, that's mother-loving Cam Newton. So I go to his Instagram, and the first picture is him in that hat that matches up exactly with the hat that is on my TV. Of course, that's Cam Newton, a big personality. And I'm not knocking it. Be a big personality. I don't give a damn. You know, that's great. You know, it's entertaining. People talk about it. I've got no problem with it. Um, but at some point... Your play does still have to factor um, when people kind of talk about you. Yeah, people are, will talk about your just presence and your ego and your um, your personality and all that, but this man wasn't getting it done. It's not like we liked talking about Cam Newton because of his personality. I mean, that's not why we were talking about it, at least for us. That's not why we were talking about Cam Newton, and we were kind of sick of tired of talking about Cam Newton just because he wasn't getting it done. I mean, we were watching him in preseason games, and we were like, you're still doing exactly what you were doing last season. We really saw no growth there. So I do get that when you bring in Cam Newton to your facility, people are going to be interested. But to say that you're such a big distraction, they couldn't even leave you on the roster because you would take attention away from Mac Jones and all that, I'm like... I don't know. I think people would kind of forget about you a little bit. Yeah, you're still out there, but what would be the reason to talk about him? Because of his big hat and big hair? Isn't that like a little tiresome at this point? When he's not playing great football? If you're playing great football, yeah, then bring up the hat and bring up the hair. That's fun to talk about. But if you're not getting it done, do I really care about a guy with a big hat and big hair? It's like, not really that much. So, you know, he's talking highly about himself. I don't care about that, but it's still like, mm, yeah, maybe, you know, in 2016, 2017, yeah, you were a big name and, you know, you couldn't be a backup then. But now in 2021, we haven't really seen anything great out of this man for about three seasons. Is he going to be that much of a distraction now? Because he cuts a hole in his hat to put his hair out of? I don't know. So, that was the first quote by Cam Newton. I don't really necessarily agree that he's such a big name and a big, just his aura around him that he takes all the attention away. And that's not the best look in this team sport. I mean, he's kind of auditioning for a job now. I don't know if this is really what you kind of say. It's either, hey, I'm a starting quarterback or I'm not. I mean, we're talking about quarterback um, competitions this season, and there was a lot of them. Gardner Minshew, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if this man is just going to not be, if this man, Cam Newton, and says, hey, you know, I'm a starter or nothing, then they're not going to bring him in to be a quarterback, comp like a competitor in a quarterback competition because they're like, well, we have to just cut him at the end of it. And if he's not looking good, then we can't get any trade value out of him. So 
I don't know about all that, but uh, we'll see. Uh, let's see what else Cam Newton has to say here. So here we go. Next quote up. Uh, quote, I would have said absolutely, but listen, the truth of the matter is this. Mac Jones would have been uncomfortable. So Cam Newton says, you know, the the the, the question was, uh, and he was talking to his dad, I believe, in the in it was like a sit down interview at a like high school football field. They said Lions in the back. It wasn't the Detroit Lions. I don't know where he was. Maybe his hometown, something. Uh, but he was talking to his dad, and you know, it got brought up. You know, would you have been a backup if they wanted? Wanted you, you know, if they asked you instead of just cutting you, uh, would you have been a backup? And Cam Newton says, quote, I would have said absolutely. But listen, the truth of the matter is this. Mac Jones would have been uncomfortable. Why? Because you're the backup? I mean, it's just not making any sense to me when Cam Newton is saying all these things of, you know, and he kind of, you know, um, I'm blanking on the word. Um, Whatever, but he kind of, you know, goes against his own, like what he says here, you know, um, saying, you know, yeah, of course I would have absolutely loved to be a backup, but I can't be a backup because my aura is just too big. It's like, what do we, like, I just, it's like he, I don't even know what he's trying to do. I don't think, uh, at the end of the day, I don't think he likes, he looks good coming out of this interview that him and his dad kind of released and you don't release something if you don't think it kind of makes you look good in a positive light. So Cam Newton thought these answers were good. And I don't know if these were good answers, truthfully. Um, so he says, quote, I would have said absolutely. But listen, the truth of the matter is Mac Jones would have been uncomfortable. Why would Mac Jones be uncomfortable? Mac Jones has said nothing about uh, nothing but great things about Cam Newton, about how they're kind of learning together and that, you know, Cam Newton's been a great mentor and that he's able to kind of ask, uh, you know, Cam Newton for advice and learn from him. So why would it be uncomfortable for Mac Jones? Because your big personality of big hat and big hair is taking all the attention away from Mac Jones I think Mac Jones would actually kind of like that nobody likes to be talked about I mean nobody likes to make themselves a story a la Russell Wilson he made himself a story in the offseason a little bit and then he's like oh y'all run with it y'all really ran with this one and then try to you know squash the story by the end of the week because he's like I don't even want to be a part of this anymore you know uh, Tom Brady has been tight-lipped his entire career Bill Belichick doesn't let anybody talk because he doesn't want any negative attention here for the Patriots but Mac Jones would be uncomfortable because he's ta you're taking all the attention the attention away. And once again, you, once again, Cam Newton just thinking very highly of himself here. Oh my God, I'm such a big personality. I can't even be a backup. I would have said yes, but then it would have just made everybody uncomfortable. I mean, that's my curse. It's my gift and it's my curse. My big personality aura around me. It's like, yeah, yes, but also kind of like, what are you talking about? Like, you still have to be good in this league. If you're not good in this league, people aren't going to be talking about you. People talked about Tim Tebow for about, you know, the first time he was signed, and then nobody was really talking about him because he wasn't performing. He wasn't having spectacular highlights in training camp practices or in the preseason game or anything like that so yeah you get the initial talk about and we had the already initial talk about it about Cam Newton about you know hey can he get it done this season all right you know he was a former MVP and a former Super Bowl participant 
but he hasn't done anything this season. So he got the initial talk about, and then, you know, as training camp progressed, and we haven't saw anything great or different or game-changing about Cam Newton, and then all the attention went to Mac Jones, and all the storylines and narratives went to Mac Jones, and nobody was even really talking about Cam Newton at the end of it. And then they re-talked about Cam Newton when he was cut because that's interesting. It's like, wow, you couldn't even be the backup. You just got straight up cut. Wow, like that was the big story. So I don't think people would be talking about Cam Newton as much as he thinks they would be talking about him if he was just a backup on this roster. I don't know about that. And I don't think it would make Mac Jones uncomfortable. Why would it make Mac Jones uncomfortable? He, would, he loves learning from Cam Newton. He even said that he's teaching Cam Newton some plays out of the playbook, which we never even really thought. We never even talked. I don't even think we talked about that story on the show because it was, like, so wild. I was like, I can't even believe this story, honestly. I don't believe that any percent. And that gets brought up um, in this interview, too. His dad, we might be able to, I I think I brought it up here. But his dad was like, and Mac Jones? What do you have to say about Mac Jones teaching you the playbook? And Cam was like... Mac Jones, what is he going to tell me? What is he going to teach me? It's like, what are y'all talking about? And I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with Cam Newton and his dad on that. I'm like, mac and cheese is like going to teach something Cam Newton doesn't know? What are you, crazy? What are y'all talking about? So for that, I truly agree 100% with Cam Newton. It's like, Mac Jones isn't teaching Cam Newton anything. What are y'all talking What are y'all talking about? Um, but I don't think it would make Mac Jones uncomfortable if he stayed on the team. I don't think so. But there's more, folks. Um, so here we go. Cam um, speaks for his first time since his release from the Patriots. Says, quote, Do I think this would have happened without me being away from the team for five days? Because remember, he, you know, unfortunate COVID, misunderstanding. And we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, you know, COVID misunderstanding. He has to miss, uh, you know, five days away from the team, unfortunate. And this was kind of the last full week of really training camp going into that. And the first last week of getting and showing that you should be the starter because, you know, it was kind of an open quarterback competition. We know Bill Belichick said Cam was a starter, but, you know, of all the reps and how Mac Jones was progressing in the preseason games and in practices like that. Um, It was kind of an open quarterback competition at the kind of midway point towards the end of it. So Cam Newton says, do I think this would have happened without me being away from the team for five days? Honestly, yes, it was going to happen. Did it help ease that decision? Yes. So this wasn't kind of the, um, you know, Bill Belichick wasn't like, you know, okay, well, this is the really the only thing that matters here. He was away from the team for five days. He's unvaccinated. No, get him out of here. No, you know, Cam Newton th- knew this was going to happen anyway. Why? Because Mac Jones was kind of beating him out a little bit because we kind of said, hey, they're kind of performing at the same level. I don't think Mac Jones was playing better than Cam Newton. I don't think Cam Newton was playing better than Mac Jones. I think they were kind of on the same playing field. And at this point, when you have a rookie or a kind of aging quarterback in this league that hasn't really done anything successful the last couple of seasons it's like what would be the point of trying to revitalize this career when you can try to you know launch the rookie's career when he has more upside because Cam Newton's upside is limited because we've seen what he can do it's unfortunate but he can't win the Super Bowl we've seen that and then Mac Jones, we don't really know what his ceiling is because he hasn't been in the league, because he hasn't played a game. So his ceiling is just naturally higher because we know what we get out of Cam Newton. So the decision was going to be made regardless of Cam Newton being away from the team or not. They were going to go with Mac Jones, and Cam Newton knows this. Um, and then we get, um, let's go into the whole 
scenario with him being out now because Cam Newton felt a little bamboozled by it. So let's see what was going on there because, you know, it came out of nowhere and there were, everyone was really kind of tight-lipped about this situation. Bill Belichick wouldn't say anything about it. The only thing he said that this is an opportunity for Mac Jones. I think that's all he had to say on it. And we didn't hear from Cam Newton during this period, which is kind of strange. Usually Cam Newton, like, talks, you know, like he's talking here, his big aura personality. Um, but uh, this is the full quote here by Cam Newton on what really happened with that five-day misunderstanding. So here we go. Quote here by Cam Newton. They gave me clearance to go. So I don't want anybody to think that I just went up and left like I'm owed a second opinion. That's just a fact. The trip was necessary because... This was the last time I felt that I was going to have an opportunity to get a second opinion. And, you know, I definitely, you know, if you want to get a second opinion because, you know, team doctors could be biased or anything like that, I, I totally agree. Um, does it work out every single time? Not really, because Cam Newton gets a second oper uh, second opinion here away from team doctors on, um, I, I forgot what, what uh, injury or ailment it was, but he had a second opinion, and then, you know, because he was away from the team doctors uh, in the team facility, that's why he had to quarantine for five days, because it was unauthorized or whatever it was. Uh, Michael Thomas, he got a second opinion, and his second opinion said, no, you're good, kind of waited out, and then he needed surgery, and now he's out for the first six weeks, so, and now the relationship between him and the Saints is a little bit rocky, seems like it's fine now, we'll see when he comes back, but I mean, getting a second opinion, hey, I've got no problem, that's your right, I totally agree with it, do what you think is best for your body in every single situation, do what's best for your body, and do what's best for your money, I preach that to everybody, every athlete that we talk about here on the show, do what's best for you, 100%. Uh, but it unfortunately could also not go great, also, potentially. Uh, but back to what Cam Newton was saying, quote, not to say that the personnel with the Patriots wasn't coherent to telling me everything I needed to know, but having four eyes on it is better than having two eyes, in my opinion, and I agree with that. Um, it wasn't that I was having any issues or pain. I just wanted to do a checkup with the person who, in in essence, diagnosed me with the Liz Frank injury. I felt obligated to check back with him with a six-month review. Just check it out. I crossed all the lines. I checked all the boxes. I dotted my eyes. And then to find out that I had to sit out, and that's when I kind of felt bamboozled because y'all told me to go. It wasn't like, Cam, you know, if you go, you're taking it up on your own risk now it's it was not that so you know and let's just keep going here I'm not gonna interrupt here we go says he quote absolutely would not have gone if Patriots had told him that says quote it was almost to say you know I really need a second opinion and then the Patriots were like you know what? That's a great idea. As a matter of fact, we can FaceTime. Da, 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 da. We had already arranged everything, and we did it, and I got the COVID test for what it was. So Cam Newton kind of felt maybe a little bamboozled, slightly betrayed by the Patriots that they weren't like, you know, if you do this, you could put, you're running the risk of, you know, having to quarantine because you're away from the team, away from the facility. So that's a potential there. But, you know, at the end of the day, you do you. They didn't give Cam Newton that kind of heads up, unfortunate. And, you know, this is what happened. He has to sit out for five days. So, truly unfortunate there by Cam Newton. But, like he said, this was going to happen regardless. So, we can't really put the blame on the Patriots or anything like that. Not giving them the heads up or him not knowing or whatever it is. Because it was going to happen regardless. This had nothing to do with it. Did it make it a little bit easier? Yeah, but they were already, you know, leaning towards getting rid of Cam Newton in the first place. 
All right. And then he goes on to say this, and I don't know about this. This isn't really. So once again, you know, I don't know if Cam Newton really did himself a true service here by having this interview. I really think this overall, his questions, his responses to the questions and everything like that, I really think it just did him a disservice overall. And I don't really know. I mean, honestly, yeah, Cam Newton had a great career. It's nothing special. It's nothing great. It's a great era. It's nothing fantastic. It's a great career overall. An MVP, Super Bowl participation against um, Peyton Manning. It wasn't it was it Super Bowl 50, like the big one. I mean, that was pretty good. That's good. It's a good career. Great career. But it's nothing that should be longevity-wise, I don't think. I mean, honestly, if I'm an owner, a general manager, whatever, I don't bring this man in. And it's no disrespect to Cam Newton. It's just, it's done. It's done. Not everybody's Tom Brady. Not everybody's Drew Brees. Not everybody's Big Ben. It's unfortunate. It's just not the case with Cam Newton. He doesn't have a 15, 20-year career. It's about an eight, eight-year career, four solid years, eight overall, decent, but it's done now. It's unfortunate. Didn't do himself any favors here. And then he has to say this, quote, I've never been in a system that required me to know Mike, the Mike linebacker. Um, you know, which linebacker is potentially going to blitz for, and then you set the protection. Hey, 52, watch out for 52. Y'all are responsible for him if he's going to come. So I'm, I'm telling y'all, make sure y'all got a plan for this dude because I'm passing the ball and this man could potentially sack me. So y'all better fix it. <laughs> y'all better fix that. Uh, so Cam Newton says, I've never been in a system that required me to know the mic, know the front, to identify certain fronts. Says on other teams, setting the mic in protection is the center's responsibility. But, so once again, he's like, hey, you know, I didn't even know this system and they want me to do this thing that I'm not even comfortable with. And, you know, two C, well, one full year in a kind of training camp and he still wasn't really knowing what he was doing. So that's unfortunate. And that just kind of gives so much more credit to Tom Brady because he's been setting the mic his entire career. He played with the Patriots. That's the system. You set the mic. The quarterback sets the mic. I want the quarterback. I'm going to fuck about the lineman. The, the quarterback tells the lineman what to do, tells the center what to do. This is who y'all need to block. This dude, I'm not leaving it up to the center. I'm leaving it up to the quarterback who's calling the plays, who's calling the protection, because he's the one that's passing the ball. I'm not going to leave it up to the center. So, and that is the way that some teams run their system, but I'll go with the way that Tom Brady does it because he's been to 10 Super Bowls and won seven of them and is the greatest of all time and just beat Dak Prescott head-to-head -head and was looking good. So, I'll, I'll go with whatever Tom Brady does, and that's he sets the prote protection. So, once again, Cam Newton making making excuses. I mean, these are a little bit of excuses out here. Um, you know, excuses. I, I don't knock excuses. I mean, literally, you have to make. They're not even excuses. You're just telling your side of the story. But so they are kind. It's a fine line. It's a fine line between you know making excuses and just giving getting your point and your side of the story out there. And I think this part right here is a little bit a bit of an excuse. Overall, everything else he says, he's just clearing the air. I've got no problem with that. Telling his side, but this seems to be a little bit of an excuse. He didn't know how to set the protections offensively because that wasn't his job in the past. Now it's unfortunately his job. He just couldn't quite get the hang of it. All right, and then we get this uh, this right here. We can go through quickly just to see if we missed anything. This guy did a pretty good job of uh, kind of outlining not kind of the mainstream quotes that you'll see on kind of Sports Center and Bleacher Report and all that. Um, 
the video's good. You can go watch it. It's on his YouTube channel, uh, Funky Friday. Um, clearing the air after my release from the New England Patriots, Funky Friday with Cam Newton. That's the title of the video. Go watch it on YouTube to get all of his actual words and how he presents the words and all that. Um, so, all right. <clears throat> Cam Newton. When I look back at it, I was probably getting two reps to his 10 reps. That's when it started to make sense. Even when I started, that doesn't necessarily mean nothing. And that's here. And that's here. They did a good job of disguising it. So Cam Newton didn't take all the reps with the ones, even though that he was told the starter. So that's kind of why that's kind of where he saw the turning point. Mac Jones getting all the reps. And then he keeps, you know, saying that, you know, Cam Newton or Mac Jones didn't beat me out of the starting job. Cam Newton says that I'm like, yeah, I think he kind of did because you weren't even looking that impressive. You're year two in the system. Mac Jones is year one in the system, year one in this league. And he's still looking, like we said, on par with Cam Newton, not any better, not any worse. Just the same. It's like, why would we go with Cam Newton if he's not progressing in the system? Let's just go with Mac Jones because year one, he's already at the same place that Mac, uh, Cam Newton is year two. So it's like we're not getting anything better from Cam Newton. All right, another quote here. Newton says, quote, do I think this would have happened without me being in? Okay, so we already went over that one. The other one over here. Uh, they're going to win football games with Mac Jones. I don't want the audience to think he's only saying that because he's not there anymore. No, Mac is good enough. So even Cam Newton was like, yeah, Mac Jones, he can ball. So, you know, giving praise to Mac Jones, and we've been hearing him do that when he was with the team and now away from the team. So that's great by Cam Newton. Not dissing and trashing Mac Jones. Another quote here, when I got in the meeting, Bill was there, Patricia was there. At that time, they told me they were going to give me the rain, they were going to give the reins to Mac. I'm like, okay, cool. It didn't dawn on me that you all were releasing me. I was confused. We were all shocked. It was uncomfortable for everybody. So it truly blindsided Cam Newton. It blindsided us. We didn't really even put any thought of him not even being the second string, not even being on the team. Um, and then he, you know, says the, uh, the aura quote, uh, he says he would have definitely played if they asked to be the second string. All right. And then he says this, this is what we were kind of talking about earlier was Mac Jones teaching you the playbook. That's kind of what his dad said. And Cam Newton said, no, what can Mac teach me? Come on now. And yeah, I truly agree with that. What is Mac Jones teaching Cam Newton? Don't tell me anything because it's nothing. Stop that. Um, and then what he has to say about Mac Jones here, quote, Mac was cool. He was a person who was young. He, he was still trying to find his way. That's why I'm saying what, what can he teach me when it's coming at him faster than it's coming at me? We were helping each other, but he's not teaching me anything. Um, and then one last thing here, Cam Newton said, uh, this had nothing to do with vaccination. Let's be honest. Going back to being away from the team for those five days, they gave me clearance to go. So once again, they weren't worried about it. Um, and then then to find out, yeah, we read that. So we, yeah, that's basically everything Cam Newton had to say. We've covered everything. Those were all the big quotes by the man. I just think he did himself a little bit of a disservice. Little little excuses overall, um, but I just don't know if this made himself look good. I mean, I didn't I, I didn't end up watching this be like, wow, well, Cam Newton, I mean, yeah, everything he was doing was perfect, and, uh, you know, he definitely didn't deserve to get cut by the Patriots. Well, he didn't, but, um, you know, I didn't walk away 
from watching this kind of interview and say, yeah, Matt, yeah, Cam Newton deserves another chance in the NFL. I think his time is done. And like we said, no disrespect to him. I just think it's done. It's over. Not everything can go 15 to 20 years. Once again, why Tom Brady and everything he does, it just messes with people's minds because they're like, well, Tom Brady does it for 20 years, so everybody should be able to do it for 20 years. It's like, no, dude, this dude is the biggest outlier I've ever seen. I mean, he has to, I mean, constantly when we're thinking of narratives and what we talk about here and what our thinking on what good is in the league and what bad is in the league, we have to remember that what Tom Brady does is not real. It's it's real because it's happening, but it's not real. And it's not something that we can judge every single rule around. We can't judge any rules around what Tom Brady's doing. That's why he's the greatest of all time, because he's breaking every rule, every unwritten rule, written rule, um, expectation, narrative, kind of number setting on what is good and what is bad. It's just everything is forget about Tom Brady. We can't even look about Tom Brady. We look at him just as the goat. He does not play in any of what our decision on what is good and what is bad, comparing him to other players. It gets you nowhere. It gets you nowhere. You can't do that. So I just think his time is done, unfortunate, folks. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. His big aura will keep him in the media, according to him. We'll see if that's true. All right. A couple more things to go over quickly before we get into the game review and our official picks for week one. So here we go, and this is great. We get an update on Saquon Barkley, which is seeming to be good now. Once again, we're at Friday. We're at Friday, two days before Sunday, and we still don't know 100% we are leaning towards, but once again, folks, this was not the most promising offseason we had hoped for with this Giants team. It's unfortunate, but slight good news here. Coach Joe Judge indicated it looks good for Saquon Barkley on Sunday. Really just waiting for today. Today is the last test. If he's feeling good at the end of today, he definitely will play. If there's a small setback, uh, still potentially in limbo, not ready for week one. But it's seeming if everything goes good today, Saquon Barkley will be out there for week one. Thank goodness. Got to see him out there. And then just quick, uh, Jamison Crowder is out for COVID for Sunday's game. The wide receiver for the Jets That's going to hurt Zach Wilson. Going to have to rely on Corey Davis even more. Jamison Crowder was their number two option, not the greatest. And then wide receiver uh, Emmanuel Sanders with a foot injury is questionable for Sunday. And we're expecting a big season out of him. We want him to be out there uh, for Josh Allen. And, uh, you know, him potentially not being out there could hurt the team a little bit overall. I don't think it's going to be as big as Jamison Crowder being out, but it definitely could hurt the team a little bit. And uh, they're going against the Steelers, and that's a big spread. And I don't want to, you know, reveal our picks, but geez louise, that's disrespectful as heck that spread. And Emmanuel Sanders is questionable. Mm, might be able to get some great value. So uh, just some quick ins and outs and potentials for Sunday. All right. Uh, next up here. Yeah, okay, we can read this quote. Uh, we already just touched on it, but we'll read it again, this tweet. What the Giants have seen this week from Saquon Barkley has been promising. One more obstacle Friday, but it would take a setback for him not to be ready for the Broncos per Joe Judge. So once again, feeling good about Saquon Barkley being ready out there for the Broncos. It's going to be a big game. I mean, Broncos-Giants, these are two teams that really could kind of surprise everybody this season because they weren't the greatest last season. They have all the pieces offensively, defensively, too be a good team they just have to go out there and win the games and the fact that they have to face each other week one 
Ugh, it's just unfortunate that one of these teams is going to get behind the eight ball to start the season, which is not great because these aren't any kind of A1 tier 1 teams in this league that, uh, you know, that um, kind of fuel off of winning after winning after winning after winning. If they get down, you know, own one start little bit, you know, I don't think it's going to collapse totally, but there is a chance that, you know, a, they could get out to even a slower start. So, uh, they are, the Giants are definitely going to need Saquon Barkley out there for this Broncos team, and will seeming like he's going to be good to go. All right, and then the last thing, man, oh, man, the injury from last night on Sean Murphy bunting the linebacker here for the Bucks, the big, gruesome uh, elbow injury right here. He goes to punch the ball out. Winfield Jr. comes over the top and kind of sandwiches his elbow, um, and it kind of pops all the way back. So, you know, your, your elbow bends like this, this way, but then it bent. The other way, the down way, the way that it doesn't bend, the way that it's not supposed to bend, it bent that way. And you see it in the video here. Ooh, just look at that elbow being bent and move, sandwiched, sandwiched and bent. And ugh, yeah, real bad. He exited the game, didn't come back, and uh, results come back, and it is confirmed to have been a dislocated elbow. So they were uh, fearful that it was a broken arm, just a dislocated elbow. Uh, I don't know if there's a timetable just quite yet. Um, I guess we can kind of look it up. I'm um, dislocated elbow recovery time just to kind of see how many weeks are we talking about um an appropriate treated simple dislocation may recover in three to six weeks but if the elbow joint is in the pitching arm throwing recovery may take up to three months well thankfully the linebackers they don't have to throw the ball or pitch a baseball or whatever it is so potential three to six weeks here for Sean Murphy bunting now the good thing is for the Bucks that they still won the game defensively um, after the injury so that's not bad either uh, hopefully they can kind of you know sweep it under the rug and wait for him to get back without kind of you know losing every single game and not being competitive defensively but uh, potential three to six weeks here for Sean Murphy Bunting, linebacker for the Bucks. So we'll keep an eye on them, on him, and uh, hopefully he can have a speedy recovery. Alrighty, so those were all the stories that we needed to go over and talk about for today. So let's head over to the game from last night, the first game of the 2021 NFL season, and what a doozy of a game it was, folks. Absolutely fantastic. Back and forth, high energy, a lot of passing, which... Is good. I'm not going to knock the passing of the league, but I did do like to watch the running game. I like, you know, dual threat passing, running teams. I think it's a little bit more entertaining, a little bit more interesting. Seeing the running backs, we love running backs. Obviously, we've got, you know, Saquon Barkley, we've got Derrick Henry behind us. We respect the running backs. We respect the running game. Um, and we didn't really get to see a lot of running uh, in last night's game. Unfortunate, uh, we had Leonard Fournette go for nine carries for the Bucks, and we had Ezekiel Elliott have 11 carries for the Cowboys. So it's both teams not rushing the ball. Now, hopefully this isn't kind of um, an indication that we're going to get no running for the entire season. No team's going to run the ball. Hopefully we don't get that. Um, now, with the... The, the Cowboys kind of excuse was, hey, we don't have our right guard out here, Zach Martin, and we run behind the right side. So we'll take it easy on the run game. Week two, we'll hit the run game back, no problem. Um, the Buccaneers, their excuse is, we've got Tom Brady. We don't need to run the ball. Run, 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 why? Tom Brady doesn't run. Pass, he passes, we pass the ball. I don't, I, this run ball, it doesn't make sense. Like run after catch, I know that. 
but run the ball right from the snap? That's not computing. We've got TB12, the GOAT, 10 Super Bowls, 7 wins, 2 with a two different teams winning Super Bowls. It's like, what what is this run you speak of? Antonio Brown will be running to catch the ball and running after he catches the ball. Rob Gronkowski will be running to catch the ball and running after he catches the ball. Mike Evans will be running to catch the ball and running after catching the ball. We're not running the ball here. We are not running the ball here. So that's the Bucks' excuse. So, you know, two teams had excuses not to run the ball. Just don't want it to be, you know, a normalized thing, which is an unfortunate kind of how the league is heading. But we digress. So, the game from last night, absolutely fantastic. We're going to break it down. We've got some plays queued up here because Game Pass, hey, listen to me. Game Pass, what the hell is going on? Last year's Game Pass was chef's kiss, absolutely magnificent. We could pick around the plays, pick and choose. There's a drop-down menu on every single play. You can go there, click click it, and the play is up there. Fantastic. Rewind by 10 seconds, no problem. You can do it in slow motion. It was absolutely immaculate. And then they ruined it this year, folks. It's absolutely trash. You can't do the play-by-play anymore. But luckily, I found a way around it. They, this Game Pass is, does not want us to succeed. And I think we kind of ruined Game Pass a little bit because we were doing our weekly film studies last season every single week. And, you know, YouTube, uh, NFL was trying to crack down on us on YouTube and censor our content and copyright our content. And we had to kind of be like, hang on, hang on. This is fair use out here. What y'all talking about? And we won a couple of those copyright claims. No big deal. Um, but I think they kind of shut it down. They're like, oh. Okay, well, we can't get around the copyright claim, so we just going to take it off. You're not going to be able to look at the play-by-play anymore. So, uh, But we found a way around it. We found a way around it. We had to just find them ourselves and uh, scroll through three hours and 35 minutes of the full game broadcast and pick them out. But we did it. We did it. We don't like to do it, but we did it. So we still found a way around of it. We just want it to be easy. Can it be easy like it was last year? They, like, integrated their Game Pass website with the NFL.com website, and it doesn't make any sense, and it's so annoying. It's so annoying, folks. Um, It was just so perfect last season, and now it's garbage. So I'll give you all one week to fix it. I gave you all the excuse of, hey, you know, it's preseason. So, yeah, they're not going to do it for preseason. I get it. I get it. But now we're talking about the regular season, and we got a show to do. Wednesday film study day, folks, during the uh, NFL season. Yeah, we do it on Friday for the Thursday night game. But Wednesday, um, all after all the Sunday night games and the Monday game, Wednesday's our film study day. So I'll give you all till Wednesday to get this, get this website functioning, please. But we digress. All right, so here we go. Uh, we got some uh, plays queued up, specific plays. Um, just some notes that we were taking uh, while we were watching the game. And then, obviously, uh, Dak Prescott and Tom Brady played absolutely fantastic, both of them. And we could watch their kind of highlight packages. I mean, I don't have to single out single plays by those players, even though we did. Um but, I mean, we could just relish in those uh, highlight packages. So, uh, we'll watch some specific plays, and we'll watch the highlight packages and uh, get a nice feel of what happened last night. But uh, the Bucks, just a quick overview. Bucks win 31-29. Both quarterbacks playing absolutely fantastic. Dak Prescott going and throwing the ball 58 gosh dang times. Like we said, I mean, we like quarterbacks don't get us wrong but I mean you don't need to be throwing 58 times can we give the running backs a little bit more carries out there but Dak Prescott goes 42 
of 58 for 403 yards, three touchdowns, one interceptions. Absolutely great game by Dak Prescott. Um, and like I said earlier on the show, I mean, it, it, everybody's out here today, um, you know, the main media guys are like, oh my God, Dak Prescott's, you know, uh, it's so great. And, you know, um, you know, we finally buy into Dak Prescott and all that. And we're like, y'all finally bought into Dak? I mean, we have our kind of uh, preseason going into the season uh, quarterback rankings right here. And we had Dak Prescott above Tom Brady. And honestly, I got to move Dak Prescott up a little bit more. Uh, I believe this is number 10 for Dak Prescott. We have uh, Patrick Mahomes 1, Herbert 2, Josh Allen 3, Aaron Rodgers 4, Russell Wilson 5, Deshaun Watson 6, Kyler Murray 7, Lamar Jackson 8, Matthew Stafford 9, and Dak Prescott 10. And that Justin Herbert, we believe in him. We are big believers in Justin Herbert. So don't come at me and be like, how do you have Justin Herbert too? He's great. He's fantastic. He's, he's great. I can't wait to watch him. Just because he's going into his second year I'm not going to knock him because he hasn't been in this league for you know eight ten years like these other quarterbacks have he was already looking great week one uh year one last season so don't come at me with the Justin Herbert I said what I said he's number two quarterback in this league but um, I'm going to move Dak Prescott up and this is a working list we'll kind of you know fluctuate these as we see fit we'll probably do it on like a Tuesday show Tuesdays Tuesday shows probably correct but uh, I'm going to move Dak Prescott up here. Um, we're going to move him above Matt Stafford to 9. We're going to move him above Lamar Jackson to 8. We're going to move him above Kyler Murray to 7. And we're going to move him above Deshaun Watson to number 6, right outside of Russell Wilson. Great job by Dak Prescott last night, and we'll see if he can continue to keep growing out here. Absolutely well done. Uh, let's get the official completion percentage. We like to put this in a completion percentage number. Uh, so let's see what we got here. 42 completions out of 18 attempts. And look at that. Look at that great number. 72%. Absolutely fantastic. 72% completion percentage. We'll take that all day tomorrow, next year, 10 years from now, 100 years from now. Give me 72% on a game leap basis. I'll take that all day. So he had an absolutely fantastic night. Ezekiel Elliott. Now we're going to bring up a play because I loved his kind of um, his um, his attack ability. Um, just didn't get to show it off because only 11 carries. But Ezekiel Elliott was still looking good. We're going to bring up a play. But uh, he had 11 carries for 33 yards. Fantastic. Three yards a carry. Not bad. Never really was able to get into a true rhythm by only carrying the ball 11 times. Um, Amari Cooper, 13 receptions for 139 yards, two touchdowns, and CeeDee Lamb still getting it done. Seven receptions for 104 yards, one touchdown as well. He had a lot of drops. Uh, not all his fault. A lot were, uh, yeah, kind of, I would say at least half. He had seven receptions for 15 targets, uh, so six drops, six incomplete passes thrown to him. I would say definitely three, at least three, were on Dak Prescott by just shorting the ball a little bit and not stepping into the throw, shorting the balls on some comeback routes. And uh, CeeDee Lamb tried his best to, you know, perform a spectacular catch, just unfortunately couldn't. So I don't put all the drops on CeeDee Lamb, maybe half, but the other half definitely on Dak Prescott. But CeeDee Lamb, you know, we, we are expecting big things here too. And he had a really, really solid, absolutely great game last night. I believe he was the first one on the board with the touchdown. Um, yeah, CeeDee Lamb, their first touchdown with CeeDee Lamb. So getting them out to the hot start, uh, you know, tying, tying up the game 7-7 to CeeDee Lamb. Very, very well done there. Um, what else we have here? Uh, defense, they forced uh, four turnovers, two fumbles, um, and then two interceptions by Tom Brady. We're going to break down all the interceptions by Tom Brady and Dak Prescott. He had the one. We'll see if they're their, their fault, whatever it is. We'll look at them. 
Uh, but yeah, the defense was playing really good. And once again, I have to kind of give a little credit to Dan Quinn, forcing the turnovers. They gave up the game-winning drive, unfortunately. They gave up 31 points, which is a lot of points. But overall, they put themselves in the right position to turn uh, to take away the ball. And they did that multiple times. So overall, Dan Quinn's defense kind of impressed us a little bit come week one when we really thought he really wasn't going to do anything this entire season. But, uh, uh, you know, I'll give credit to Dan Quinn for week one. We'll see if he can continue to get better and better and better and carry it on for the rest of the season. Um, all right. Oh, yeah, and let me shout out um, Trayvon Diggs. I mean, absolutely great game by him. Um, an interception, two pass defenses. This man is a real deal at the cornerback position. Stephon Diggs' brother in the league, and he's getting it done, so very well done. Michael Parsons, on the other hand, uh, he didn't do bad. He just didn't do great either. He played an all right game. Um, all right, and so that was the Cowboys, and then the Bucks. Tom Brady, 32 of 50 for 379 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, one was the Hail Mary at the end of the game, or at the end of the first half, not his fault. I'm not going to put that on Tom Brady. The second one, a little bit, a failed screen, unfortunate, uh, goes off of Leonard Fournette's hands. We're going to watch both of those and break them down a little bit more in depth there. But let's get Tom Brady's completion percentage up. Only 64, which is still good, but Dak Prescott 72 is way more impressive, absolutely. So Tom Brady still got it done, and uh, y'all need to stop letting Tom Brady get away with throwing multiple interceptions and still winning the game. I mean, once again, I mean, if you're throwing multiple interceptions, you probably don't win the game, but it's Tom Brady. He breaks breaks every single expectation, every single unwritten, written rule, whatever it is in the league, and he goes on and breaks it. Three interceptions in the NFC Championship game, he still wins. I think he had two or three in the game against the Saints in the playoffs last season. They still win the game. He throws two interceptions here. They still win the game. It's like, geez, will y'all punish this man? And they kind of did. Once again, it's just unfortunate the Cowboys lost this game. It's unfortunate they had to face the Bucs. This Cowboys team is still very, very great. Offensively, they're one of the best teams in the league already. Uh, defensively, like we said, they, this was a good first showing. We got to see it kind of continually to get better and make some great stops when the game is on the line. Um, unfortunately, you know, Tampa Bay drives down. Uh, you know, they had the last possession. They're down one point because Dak Prescott led them to a field goal drive um, at the end of their their very last possession, basically. Dak Prescott leads them down, kicks the field goal. They're in the lead. Unfortunately, they, they leave a minute and 22 seconds on the clock for Tom Brady to go down and get his team into field goal range, and they win the game. So just the Cowboys defense had to step up to make that final last stand uh, defensively and get the Cow uh, get the Bucks off the field before field goal position so they could win the game. Unfortunately, they just did not, but they forced four turnovers, and this is what they did off the turnovers. So here we go. Uh, the fumble by who do we got here? Ronald Jones fumbles, and then Dak goes down and scores a touchdown off of it. They missed the extra point. Unfortunate, the kicking of the, uh, of the Cowboys was trash all game. Unfortunate. Uh, but they scored seven off the fumble. They scored three off the interception uh, by Tom Brady. The other interception, they, there was no time. It was the end of the game. But they brought it back. They intercepted in the end zone and brought it back, I think, like at the midfield. So they had an opportunity to score seven off that. Um, the other fumble here, they scored three points out of it. So they put up, what, 13 points off of those turnovers. Once again, not bad. Just unfortunately, you lose by two. A lot of missed field goals. You settled for some field goals off of some turnovers. So it's just unfortunate. When you go against Tom Brady, everything has to be on the money 100% or you're going to lose by two after playing a phenomenal game. Unfortunate. 
All right, running the ball, we got Leonard Fournette, nine carries for 32 yards, and then Antonio Brown, five receptions for 121 yards, a touchdown. Chris Godwin, nine receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. I believe he fumbled as well. Yeah, Chris Godwin did fumble kind of going out over the goal line, very, very close, I think inside the five, unfortunate fumbles, uh, but they still win the game, so... Once again, geez Louise, you have to make them pay. You must make this Bucks team pay off of every single misplay, misfire, turnover, whatever it is, not taking advantage of turnovers, whatever it is, you must make them pay or Tom Brady gets the last laugh in the end. We've seen it for the last 20 years, folks. Nothing changes. You must play a 100% perfect game against Tom Brady. And once again, that's why you have to classify him as the greatest of all time because, um, you know, he makes mistakes. It doesn't matter. Three interceptions in the NFC Championship game, folks. Aaron Rodgers still doesn't win. What? 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 I mean, it's it's so mind. It's it's bonkers, folks. It's truly bonkers out here. All right. So that's basically all the performances from last night. Great game overall. Absolutely fantastic way to start and kick off the NFL season. We love it. But we've got some plays queued up here that, uh, you know, were big, you know, big. These were big plays, according to me, that I was watching last night, taking notes. And uh, this is what I saw, and I want to kind of uh, highlight here. And then we'll watch the great highlights of Tom Brady and Dak Prescott. But we got a couple of plays here. So this first one comes in the first quarter. First Cowboys drive, folks. A minute, uh, 11 minutes, 47 seconds left, and it's third and one. And this was one of the few rushes that Ezekiel Elliott had last night. And it was a great showing. Ezekiel Elliott last Last season, not really into it 100% when Dak went down, didn't really take the reins of the team, even though he really should have been like, this should be my team now, I'm going to be the main vocal leader, I don't give a fuck about Andy Dalton, who cares about Andy Dalton, I'm Zeke, I've been here, y'all paid me, I'm ready to rock, y'all believe in me, y'all don't even know who this red dude is, this red haired dude is, uh, we're blue over here, and this man's rocking red, get this man off of our team, what is he doing? But Ezekiel Elliott didn't take control of the team last season, but he had a nice, real great run right here. So let's watch this one. Third and one, first drive, 11:47 in the first quarter, 0-0 game, and they're looking for a first down on their own 40-yard line. So here we go. Zeke takes the handoff, and look at this. Hit immediately in the backfield. Folks, he gets hit. It's third and one, and he needs three yards to get to the first down. That's how immediately he got hit in the backfield. But what does he do? He keeps his legs moving. Now he's really done. He's like a yard away, a full yard away now. And it's looked like he's done here, folks. It looks like he's going to go down. But what does he do? He's in the pile, and he stretches the ball across the plane for the first down. That fight, that Hungriness by Ezekiel Elliott showed last night. A little unfortunate that Mike McCarthy, Kellen Mund, whoever was calling the plays, I believe it's Kellen, Kellen Mund, um, uh, Kelly, or hey, no, 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 that's uh, uh, Kellyanne Moore. Kellyan Moore, Mund is the quarterback for the Vikings. Uh, Kellyan Moore um, out here. I don't know why they weren't calling more writing plays, but you didn't eat up the clock enough. to get, You gave Tom Brady the last shot, so probably should have ran the ball a little bit more. A little bit of hindsight right there, obviously. But the way Zeke was carrying it early in the game, it's like, why wouldn't you give him more carries? This man is fighting for a first down. If you went kind of three and out right here, geez Louise. I mean, that's not a good showing. You're not going to have any faith. You know, you, you don't set the tempo. You don't set that kind of uh, the 
mojo right off the rip. So why aren't you running Zeke Elliott? I love this run right here. That full extension. I thought he was down. Um, I had to watch the replay on this one. I thought I was like, oh, he's down right here. They didn't get the first. And then they marked the first. Down. I was like, what? How? How? How did Zeke come out of this? And then they showed the replay and they showed that full extension. It was fantastic. Um, I, yeah, I think they showed the replay right here. I think we can uh, keep watching. Let's uh, fast forward 10 seconds. Here it is. This slow-mo replay right here. Look at him. Emerge from this pile. Everybody's on him. One, two, three, four. Five guys bringing him down. All the off, uh, all the defensive linemen bringing this man down. And here he is extending the ball very, very last minute. Give that man some credit. It was fantastic. I love that hungriness and how hard he ran and how much he was willing to kind of, you know, stretch out even though he's be being pulled back and pulled down. Still able to reach the ball across the goal, uh, across the first down marker and pick up the first down. That was a great sign by Zeke and uh, great signs for what Zeke is going to do for the rest of the season. Once again, cannot kind we're not we're not not buying this Cowboys team, folks. I, after last night, even though they lose, we are buying into this Cowboys team even more. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Two great game, two great teams going at each other week one. Somebody has to lose. Bills, Steelers week one. Somebody has to lose, unfortunately. It's just unfortunate. It, there's only can be one winner. So, it's just unfortunate the timing. You have to face some opponents, and the Cowboys had to start off week one with the defending Super Bowl champions, Tom Brady. It's unfortunate. But Zeke played great last night. I loved it. All right, next play up here. We have to watch this full drive. Um, it doesn't get going, you know, until kind of a couple plays in, but I just want to bring up this entire drive here by this Bucks team. And, uh, you know, folks, this is when we knew Tom Brady, father time, was not catching up with this man. Uh, the second drive of the game here, they hand off the ball on the first play. Tom Brady here in the shotgun. It's not here either, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of talk up to it. Because once it hits, and this is a great throw over the middle to Mike Evans for the first down. No big deal. Um, is it this play? No, I think it's the next play. But Tom Brady, unfortunately, misses Mike Evans here on a comeback route. Unfortunate. But then it gets clicking. It gets clicking. And once they hit this throw, he does not look back this entire drive, folks. This is where it gets good. Here we go. Second and 10 from their own 20-yard line. 0-0 game still. First quarter, 8 minutes, 20 seconds left. Here we go. Tom Brady. He's going to go to Gronk right down the middle of the field and just look at the accurate pass right here. He's got two defenders kind of on his backside. Tom Brady has to throw it out in front of Gronk and has to put it exactly on the money, and that's what he does. It goes for about 20 yards. Bingo, bango. We're going to get a great replay right here on the back angle. So let's fast forward. Here it is. Just look at this. Look at this accuracy of where this ball has to be thrown. I mean, that tight window, folks. Look at these two defenders. The one behind them and the one in front of them are right on them. And Tom Brady still finds a way to fire this ball in. This is when we knew, folks. Tom Brady was going to be here this season. We didn't have to worry about him coming off the injuries or him being 44 or anything like that. This is the same old Tom Brady we all know and love, baby. The same greatest of all time, still getting it done. And this was just the first throw. He kept it up for the rest of the drive so let's just keep watching look at that accuracy oh my god fantastic all right but Tom Brady keeps going here next play look at him standing tall in the pocket and then just throws an absolute beautiful ball right here he's not even looking to Antonio Brown on the right side of the field his entire vision is to the left side still to the left side and then he kind of quickly looks over he's like oh that's wide open he's on the left hash throwing all the way a huge floater on the right sideline and that's a B baby there for 
for the catch. A ball coming over the shoulder. Antonio Brown, great. And once again, it's just Tom Brady looking left. Oh, 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 hang on. Did a little double take. It was like, oh, damn, that's open. And then just flings it in. It's perfect. He didn't even, like, set up the throw. He wasn't anticipating throwing here to Antonio Brown. But it was open. Last second, he sees it. And once again, look at the accuracy this man is working with, folks. Come on. Give this man his respects. And now they're on the opponent's territory, the Cowboys' territory. And once again, bingo, bango, Antonio Brown on the right sideline, wide open on the comeback route. And now they're knocking on the door of the red zone right here. So let's get this up. Here we go. Now in the red zone. How is Tom Brady going to capitalize this one off? Well, let's run the ball here because we've been throwing it so gosh dang good. Picks up about three yards. Still in the red zone. Here we go. Come on, Tom Brady. Second and seven from the 15-yard line. No big deal out here. Let's see how Tom Brady does it. Here we go. Clean as heck pocket. Dumps it off. For the first down. Now they're inside the five-ish. What do we got? At the five? We at the five? First and goal from the five. Tom Brady just engineering a perfect drive here. Let's see it get capped off here. Play action pass. And then you go to Chris Godwin right over the middle of the field. Once again, great accuracy, great finesse, and great touch on the ball because, you know, the wall of linebackers are all right here. Michael Parsons, you know, deer in the headlight. Look right here. Michael Parsons has to get a little bit better, flat-footed. Uh, but, uh, you know, and you know, just puts it right on the money. Gets it over Michael Parsons and the defender, the corner covering Chris Godwin, and it goes down for the touchdown. Down. An absolutely great drive. It was the second drive for the Bucks in the game. And, you know, Tom Brady just looking absolutely magnificent. And like we said, just look, looked great all game. So Tom Brady is still here, folks. If you hate Tom Brady, I've got bad news for you. He's here to stay for another 44 years. So get, get used to it. All righty, next, uh, next play up here. What do we got? Uh, this one, uh, uh, what do we got here? What is this? This is the Gronk, I think. So here we go. Tom Brady, once again, uh, just everything about Tom Brady. The accuracy, the arm strength is still here. Look at how fast he has to rip this ball into this spot right here. It's just Gronk, a nice little kind of three-yard comeback route over the middle of the field, and Tom Brady slings that one in tight. There's two defenders draped all over him. You got to get the ball there quick. The zip on the ball there is still there by Tom Brady. Gronk catches the ball. No breakup. It's a completion. Bingo, bango. We get a better look on the back angle right here. Just look at how fast he has to fire in this ball folks I mean the defenders are kind of closing in on him watch it Michael Parsons is uh, dropping back in coverage reads it and then when he tries to break on the ball it's already too late you're not going to get there in time because Tom Brady still has the zip so once again father time is truly not catching up to Tom Brady as of right now we got to knock out what we're saying some you know wild things we don't even want anything to happen to this man this season but the, everything is looking great by Tom Brady so far Alrighty, and then we get this. Here we go. Is this uh this is another Gronk play? Am I reading my notes right? Alright, so here we go. No, damn, did I skip one? Did I skip a play here. What is this one? Let's see what this one is. I might have skipped the one in my notes. We'll see. What is this? Tom Brady. Okay, that's not what we were looking for. All right, maybe I didn't bring one up or whatever. But uh, all right, we'll just go to this next one. And folks, what what did we see in Hard Knocks? We noted two two great leaders when we were watching Hard Knocks: Dak Prescott and Demarcus Lawrence off the edge rush. Um, and who is on video being 
leaders on the sideline getting everybody gassed up. It's Dak Prescott and Demarcus Lawrence on, on the defense. And they're both hyping everybody up. Look at this, folks. Look at the energy. They're only down two points at the basically the end of the third quarter. Demarcus Lawrence is over here. Dak Prescott is over here on the sideline saying, let's get it going. Let's get it going. We're in this game. Nobody gave us credit. We're still in this game. Get everybody hyped, hyped offensively, defensively, getting the entire team buying into these two great leaders. We saw it all on Hard Knocks, and it was not just for the cameras, folks. It was not just for the cameras. They do this. These two are great leaders. I'm not, you know, a, f a fan of Mike McCarthy and his coaching style, but these players on this team are dedicated to each other. They buy into each other, and they love and play and will die and will do anything to win for their brothers on this team. Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence, absolutely great fantastic leaders on this team. I'm so glad the cameras captured this moment right here. I was gushing when I saw this live. I'm like, it's it's real, folks. What we saw in Hard Knocks is absolutely real. These two players, great leaders on this team, one for the offense, one for the defense. They come together, get the entire team, and bring the entire team together. Give them credit. Great leadership on this Cowboys team, and that's how you have to play, especially when you're facing defending champions week one, first game of the season on the road, and you're going into the fourth quarter only down by two points when nobody gave you a chance to win this game. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. We gave this Cowboys team no chance to win this game. We didn't think their defense would play as good. We we have, we have felt comfortable about the offense, but the defense we didn't give any credit for and fools on us. They only lose by two. So Man, oh man, absolutely love the great leadership here by this Cowboys team and you just got to give credit to them, folks. Absolutely loved it. All right, we get one more thing here. Did I just misorder this? What do we got here? Tom Brady, play action pass, setup screen. Okay, so now we're getting to the interceptions. All right, so let's talk about these interceptions by both these quarterbacks. All right, so the first one up here by Tom Brady comes uh, when they're only up 1.14-13. They're on their own 20-yard line, second quarter, 4 minutes, 14 seconds left. Tom Brady's going to try and set up a running back screen. Unfortunately, it's very, very um, not even well covered. It's just Tom Brady didn't set his feet. The pressure got there, didn't set his feet, and the ball just kind of, um, it didn't sail on Tom Brady. We can watch it here. It just wasn't perfect by Tom Brady trying to drop it in. A little bit too high, a little bit too close. Still should have been caught at the end of the day, but it goes off of Leonard Fournette's fingertips, and then it's the Cowboys defender there to pick the ball off on their um, on the Bucks' own 20-yard line. And we said that they only settled for a field goal there. That was a little bit of a disappointment right there. Uh, when you're starting on Tampa Bay's own 21-yard line, you really can't settle for a field goal. So once again, you must make Tom Brady pay with touchdowns. That's what killed Aaron Rodgers in last season's NFC Championship game. And this is a little bit why the Cowboys lost. Yes, you can bring up the extra point miss and uh, the missed field goals. You can definitely put that. I've got no problem. But also, you could look at this. You only put up three when you could have put up seven. That's four points missed. You lose by two. It's it's unfortunate. Must make Tom Brady play pay for every single mistake he does. And the Cowboys didn't do that. So that's the first pick. Second pick here. Um, end of the first quarter, or end of the first half, they're up 21-16. They're at their own 50-yard uh, line, and Tom Brady's just going to launch this thing. Once again, gets a nice running start, throws from his own 45-yard line, gets it all the way back to the back of the end zone. So what do we got, 65 yards? That's 65, no? Throw it from his own 45-yard line. Five yards to the 50, 
uh, 50 yards from the 50 to the end zone, that's 55, and then about 8, 10 yards to the back of the end zone. About 65 yards. I mean, this man can still sling this ball. Once again, Father Time is not, uh, you know, catching up with uh, Tom Brady. It's just a Hail Mary. We're not going to put, uh, put it on him. Great job here by the defense. These are all some ball hawks. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they might not be good of getting and forcing you to, like, a three and out or getting you to punt the ball, but they can force turnovers. They're always around the ball, and we saw that in preseason, and it truly translated here to week one when they had four takeaways. So just true ball hawks all over the field here for this college. Cowboys defense and you give them credit that's definitely something you can build upon absolutely all right then we have Dak Prescott's interception he only had one so let's watch this one was this his fault what do we get here so here we go this interception comes in the third quarter eight minutes 44 seconds left and the Cowboys are once again only down two, knocking on the door a little bit of a mistake here let's see what happens here we go Dak Prescott under center play action pass Picks up the blocker, and uh, he just throws it over the middle of the field. Very, very congested. About triple coverage, and it just gets picked off by uh, Davis. Unfortunate. Uh, I think we get a nice replay here from the back angle. We get a replay. Here we go. Let's watch the replay from the back angle just to see what Dak saw. What was he seeing? Because it seemed to be kind of triple covered. Trying to hit a crossing route over the middle of the field. Kind of a post route over the middle of the field. And, I mean, look at this, folks. Four people all over the middle of the field. And it just gets picked. It gets batted up because of great defense. And then it gets picked because of just great defense again. So, a little bit of a misread there by Dak Prescott. Also, CeeDee Lamb had, I mean, this ball was right in CeeDee Lamb's hands. I mean, this was a real tough throw to make. It was made kind of right on the money. Unfortunately, it does go through CeeDee Lamb's hands. Lamb's hands, folks. Try to say that ten times fast. Uh, but here we go. Hits him right in the hands. It's a risky, dangerous throw. But at the end of the day, it's still a great throw. Once again, Dak Prescott got to give this man credit. Unfortunate, CeeDee Lamb could not hold on to the ball. And then it gets tipped up because of CeeDee Lamb. And uh, unfortunate pick. So a great decision there by Dak Prescott. High risk, high reward because you're throwing triple covered into the middle of the field just trusting your guys and that's what we love about quarterback play if you can trust your guys Dak Prescott showed trust for his guy CeeDee Lamb and he kind of bit him in the butt a little bit so unfortunate pick there CeeDee Lamb got to get a little bit better shore up those hands I mean I know there's big pressure on CeeDee Lamb um, you know he's been looking great in training camp uh, highlights every single day everybody talking about him you know star studded cast on this Cowboys offensive uh, roster and you know moment maybe may have gotten a little bit too big for CeeDee Lamb. So once again, half of the throws were not great by Dak Prescott on uh, six of those incompletions to CeeDee Lamb, and half of those were short-arm drops, uh, short-arm incompletions. But this one was all on CeeDee Lamb, unfortunate. Um, all right, and then I just want to cover this one last one. The punter for this Bucks team, absolutely fantastic. First punt of the season. The Cowboys got them to a three and out the first drive. Everything was looking great for the Cowboys, but then the Bucks punter came out and said, no, 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 y'all not getting nothing for free here. Um, and he absolutely pins it fantastically inside like the two-yard line. Absolutely fantastic punt here by, um, who is this, Robbie Pen uh, Pinion? Pinrow? Uh, so, I mean, just look at just look at that, folks. It can't even be any more fantastic. Bounces at the three-yard line, uh, right on the sideline, and then just bounces kind of straight up and goes out. So, very, very well done to this uh, Bucks punter. 
forced the Cowboys to uh, start at the Dallas' own two-yard line, and they had to punt, and uh, the Bucks were able to take advantage and score on their next possession. So they gave what could have been potential good field position to the Cowboys to not good field position. Unfortunately, Dak Prescott erases this uh Great field position by the Bucks. Bad field position by the Cowboys um, on this first throw right here. We could watch it just to give more props to Dak right here. Um, so they have to start from their own two-yard line, but Dak stands tall in the pocket and delivers a wide-open ball to Amari Cooper to the 30-yard line. Um, and this is another thing that just kind of proves that Dak Prescott is 100% healthy. No worries about it. Did y'all see how strong he was standing in the pocket? Oh, my God. The man was not flinching. Ankle, um, shoulder, doesn't matter. They're coming from his feet. They're coming for his arms. He was standing cool as a cucumber in the pocket. So once again, he's just 100% healthy. And I forgot to bring this up. Um, just a little interesting note that I heard from, uh, I believe, Michelle Tafoya, who was doing the sideline side reporting right before the game when she was just kind of recapping everything, uh, all the injury-wise that Dak Prescott was going through. She ended up saying something interesting. Uh, but uh, she said that Dak is still going to be having an MRI every two weeks just to make sure everything's healing properly and looking good. So he is still going to go in for MRIs. So if we hear uh, about him going in for an MRI this week or next week, no worries. It's just it's just a precaution just to make sure everything's good. We saw him last night. Obviously, you know, he was slinging it around. No, no discomfort in the arm. So he is fine. They are just doing an MRI every two weeks just to be sure, just to be safe as a precaution. So don't take that story and run with it it is truly nothing it is fine he's fine all righty so that's everything I just wanted to point out quickly. Um, uh, yeah, let's just um, we'll end it because I still want to get to our picks today. Uh, but let's just end it on this two-minute highlight package of Dak Prescott and uh, just kind of see what he does out here. And it's gonna start here with the last play that we just uh, we just watched. But yeah, from his own end zone, standing tall in the pocket, delivering it to Amari Cooper. Fantastic ball right there. Next play up, they're down seven here, second and two. Dak Prescott, boom, perfect, right on the money there. <clears throat> Who was that? Michael Gallup. All the wide receivers were getting it done by Dak Prescott for Dak Prescott because he was so accurate with the ball. Here we go, rolling out to his right, throwing on the run, and this was an amazing grab right on the sideline. Toe tap in Michael Gallup. Sheesh, fantastic there. That was a little bit more better by Michael Gallup than Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott, once again, giving his team opportunities. He knows he's got great wide receivers on this roster, just putting the ball exactly where it needs to be a completion. It's either a completion or it's an incomplete pass, no chance at a defensive pick, no chance at a defensive uh, pass defense. It is only giving the receiver a chance to make a play on the ball. There we go. CeeDee Lamb over the middle of the field. Huge uh, catch right there to move the chains. Third and eight in the second quarter. Down seven. Boom. Another strike over the middle of the field. Bingo, bango. Now inside the red zone there down at the 10-yard line. And then we get Dak Prescott in the red zone here from the five-yard line. He bobbles the snap. But still, once again, cool, calm, collected under the pressure. The pressure's coming for him. He's coming off the big old ankles, uh, the ankle injury from last season. And he still stands cool in the pocket, delivers a perfect ball to Amari Cooper in the end zone. Once again, Dak was showing so much poise last night. It was fantastic here we go another ball right here 
to Amari Cooper on the right sideline. Bingo, bango. Amari Cooper was getting open all night last night. Fantastic. Another pass here on third and four over the middle of the field. Tight window to throw it in, but there he is throwing to Amari Cooper. The sheer confidence one-on-one. -on -one. We could watch this from the back angle. Let's see how much separation or lack thereof was by Amari Cooper and the defender. And there it is right on him, but he throws it right on the money. The pinpoint accuracy and standing tall in the pocket was the most impressive thing by Dak Prescott. Once again, knowing he's going to take the hit right here. Took the big old hit. Pressure coming off the left side. Stood tall in the pocket. Delivered a fantastic ball in the red zone for the first down. They get the first down. I mean, once again, folks, took a big old hit right there. He is fine. He is standing tall as heck, confident as heck in the pocket. I mean, if you are, if you have an injury, you're not standing as tall in the pocket as Dak Prescott. You're wincing. You're flinching. You're protecting yourself, whatever the injury ailment is. Dak Prescott was doing none of that last night. Give him a lot of credit. Here we go, third and four, basically at the red zone. Down at nine points right here, and he takes it all. Boom, nice floater for Amari Cooper to run under, and he's got surefire hands. Once again, putting it exactly in the place it is needed for his receiver to make a play on the ball. No chance at a pick, no chance at a pass breakup. That is it. Pa uh, pass complete for the touchdown or incomplete pass. There it is, touchdown. So, great way to start the season last night. Cowboys Bucks, absolutely magnificent. One of the best games I've seen in a while. I'm not going to lie. We know the Super Bowl was a little bit of a blowout. It was a good game because it was a Super Bowl, but this was close all throughout. Great quarterback performances, some great defensive plays, some great special teams plays, um, and it was just great all around. So, that is how you kick off the NFL season, folks. Cowboys Bucks. Hopefully, Sunday can live up to it. Hopefully, next Thursday night's uh, football game can live up to it. We know Thursday night football games are a little wonky. Never live up to the hype. This one truly did respect to Dak Prescott. Respect to Tom Brady. Respect to everybody. Jeez, it was great. All right, and now the time y'all have been waiting for. Our official week one picks, baby. Woof, I'm feeling good. Little, little bit of goosebumps because this is our first picks of the season. We want to start, start off with a strong bang, strong money in our pocket. Give y'all the information that y'all need to be successful. I mean, did you watch the game last night, folks? I mean, betting commercial after betting commercial after betting commercial after betting commercial after betting commercial. I'm not the biggest fan of that. Uh, you know, I know gambling can be a little tricky. I get it and not great for some people. I get it. Uh, so I don't love the commercials being slammed down everybody's throats. Um, but, you know, they're trying to make money. I get it. It's unfortunate. Capitalism, a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. Um, but well, uh, we'll give you, you know, since everybody's betting, we might as well throw our hat in the ring and be like, hey, this is what we think. Y'all, you know, we, we're here every day talking through it. We've got knowledge. Y'all know. Uh, so this is our first, first official picks of the season, week one. Um, and this is how we do it here. We do two groups of picks, three picks in each group. Our first group is our locks. This will happen 100%. We are feeling so confident about these. You can bet whatever you want, however much you want, your house, your cars, it doesn't matter because you're going to win. So if you got to sell the house for a couple of days, well, you know, to get the money liquid and cash in hand, um, that's fine. No problem. So we got three picks in our locks, and then we've got a 99% guarantee. Uh, we feel so confident, but there is maybe one thing that is going to ruin the bet, one thing that we think could happen that could potentially ruin the bet, but we still feel so freaking confident in them, 99% guarantees. 
So let's start with our locks in our first pick in our lock section. This is so disrespectful, folks. I don't know what the hell is going on with Vegas, but this bet, when I saw it, Holy moly, disrespectful as heck. So our first pick in our locks category is the Dolphins plus three and a half points. And this even went up. It was Dolphins plus three when we talked about it. Now it's plus three and a half. I watched it go up a half a point right in front of my eyes. I was like, are y'all crazy? Are y'all crazy? So let's break it down. I mean, are we really going to believe in Mac Jones week one? I've got no problem with you believing in Mac Jones, but not week one, not week one, especially now with all this Cam Newton drama kind of unfolding, being a little bit of a distraction. I don't put that too much into our official pick, but I do think it's something that Mac Jones is hearing, and he's like, what? <laughs> Y'all, you, you thought I would be uncomfortable? What are you talking about? Why would I be uncomfortable if you were on the team? I was beating your ass in practice. What you talking about? You were the one being uncomfortable because a rookie was in there beating your ass and outperforming you. What are you talking about? Uh, so maybe Mac Jones tries to do a little bit too much to kind of, you know, be like, Cam Newton doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm the real deal. Let me go out and prove it. But the main thing is that this Dolphins defense is no joke, folks. This is a real defense. I mean, Xavier Howard held out, and we ended up paying him. So, you know, he's going to be on his A1 Tier 1 game, you know, trying to, you know, renegotiate his contract next season. He's like, hey, if I do great, I can renegotiate my contract again for the third time and get more money. So, I mean, Brian Flores is going to be throwing everything in the kitchen sink at Mac Jones. You're not going to make a rookie comfortable throwing the ball. And, you know, just say, you know, take the Dolphins offense out of the equation. How many points do you think Mac Jones is going to be able to drop on this Dolphins defense? 10? 17? You think 20 plus? You think Mac Jones could do 20 plus points on this Dolphins defense? I don't know about that. And if you're not putting up 20 points, you're probably not going to win the game. And that goes for every team. If you're not putting up at least 20 points, don't expect to win the game. Now, let's talk about the Dolphins offense. Um, I know everybody is shitting on two in the national media. I don't get it. We never got it. We never even got it last year when they were talking that nonsense. It was Chan Gailey's offense, which was absolutely trash. And it was, you know, um, two was weapons, not bringing in the ball. Tua delivering absolute perfect dimes, deep balls, short balls, whatever it was. It was always dimes. Tua's accuracy is not up for debate, folks. I will not have that discussion. His accuracy is one of the best in the league. I, I've got no problem saying that. So, I believe in Tua to move the ball. This Dolphins defense against Mac Jones, I don't know where this... This is a... Dis if, the, if the Dolphins saw this line, if I'm Brian Flores, if I'm Tua, if I'm the defense, I'm looking at this line and be like, the hell is this? The hell is Vegas thinking? My, plus, uh, plus three and a half. <laughs> what? What? What are you, out of your gourd? That's motivation right there for them. So I just don't believe any in Mac Jones week one. Maybe, you know, week 10, week 13, he's looking good. He had the entire season to get, you know, right under his belt. And he's, you know, progressing every single week. But not week one, especially not against this Dolphins defense. The only good thing this Patriots team has going for them is that they're at home. That is it. I'm not buying into it. Watch out for Tua to actually sling this ball all over the field, not having Chan Gailey, who doesn't even know what he was doing in his prime, and you bring him in when he's freaking older and not even smart anymore. He wasn't even good in his prime, so I don't even don't even bring me back to that last season. I, I don't even understand why we brought him in the, in the first place. But Dolphins plus three and a half, absolutely love it. Um, you know, do they not, they win the game? But if they don't even win the game, they're not losing by more than a field goal. Absolutely, it's a field goal at the end of the game, tie game. Uh, Patriots just had their had the ball last, just like what happened in that Patriots game, or uh, that um, uh, Bucks game last night. Tom Brady has the ball at, at, in his hands at the end of the game. Unfortunate, they lose by two. That's what happens here at maximum. 
Dolphins plus three and a half. Alrighty, our second pick in our locks category is the 49ers minus eight. I would buy this 49ers team all the way up to minus 27, 50. Minus what? What can we bet this up to? Bend it up, folks. It's Dan Campbell, game one. No way, no way, no way. We can go all the way up to 49ers minus 13 and a half. Yeah, I like that. Uh, but we'll play the official spread. Um, let's not get too crazy week one, even though I do like minus 13 and a half. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the Lions, folks, what are we talking about with this Lions team? I can't buy Dan Campbell at all. Not week one. I mean, folks, this is week one. If you want to buy Dan Campbell and Mac Jones later, I've got no problem with that. But not week one here, especially against this 49ers team that is so eager to finally be back on track after last season. Everybody getting injured and unfortunately not being that great overall because of all the injuries. Now they're healthy. Joe uh, Nick Bosa's healthy. We've got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo healthy and Trey Lance looking good and you know quarterback by committee potentially here uh it's just what are the lions going to do offensively defensively they can't keep up any pace with this 49ers team so i'm swallowing the eight points here i don't care that they're not at home i can't buy dan campbell week one i don't think he has his team ready to rock i believe in kyle shanahan having his team ready to go here week one i've got no problem with that and it's just everything offensively defensively talent wise jared goff now doesn't have the offensive guru of sean McVay, he's got Dan Campbell. That's a big difference, folks. A huge difference. I won't put it into in terms, in words, because I don't want to disrespect Dan Campbell this much today. I've already done it enough. I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, but yeah, it's just this 49ers team is just so much better offensively, defensively, quarterback, coaching, running back, wide receivers, cornerbacks, defensive linemen, it's defensive edge rushers, linebackers. Everything is better clear cut by this 49ers team. I believe Kyle Shanahan gets it done. He goes out there and embarrasses the Lions. This is a dominant performance here. This is a potential dominant performance in the 49ers. We're not able to be dominant last season because of all the hiccups. Now they're 100% healthy, ready to rock. They're back to domination, especially against this lackluster Lions team, 49ers minus eight. All righty, and then our last pick here in our lock section, we're going to go Vikings minus three. Kirk Cousins, Delvin Cook, no, there's not really that pressure. There's pressure to succeed because they didn't succeed last season, only having seven wins. But, I mean, against this Bengals team, there's struggles with the offensive line, protecting Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow coming off the injury. Is he going to be a little bit timid? Uh, This Vikings defense bringing in Patrick Peterson. So now the Bengals and Joe Burrow, I mean, you got an elite corner going against you. Jamar Chase hasn't caught a ball. He caught one ball, dropping the ball, doesn't even know what the NFL ball looks like like the man is struggling out here so I just can't buy anything on this Bengals team defensively offensively I don't believe in Joe Burrow heading into the season um you know, we kind of said already that, you know, Joe Burrow is potentially, well, we do think he's going to look kind of the worst of those kind of quarterbacks from last season to uh, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. I really think Joe Burrow at the end of the season is going to just be a little lackluster compared to all those other quarterbacks taken uh, rookie-wise last season. So I can't buy anything in this Bengals team. Mike Zimmer is a little bit on the hot seat. His defense needs to be here this year. He said it was absolutely trash last season. Try to work it up to be a little bit better and uh, just quarterback wise and offensive wise and moving the ball wise the Vikings are just in such a better position than the Bengals all uh, than the Bengals are overall so I'm gonna swallow the three here Vikings on the road they get it done defense steps up and uh, Kirk Cousins looks like good Kirk Cousins not in primetime game with no pressure on him he gets it done 
Vikings minus three. All right, so those are our three picks in our lock section. Dolphins plus three and a half, 49ers minus eight, Vikings minus three. Now let's go to our 99% guarantee section. We feel very, very strongly about these, but there is like maybe one thing we can see potentially, maybe possibly happening that ruins the bet. And we'll talk with those through when we make our picks, but here we go. Three picks in our 99% guarantee section. Our first one, and I love this one. I was very, very close to putting this into our lock section, but because of the half a point hook, I'm going to leave it in the 99% guarantees. So the first pick here is the Steelers plus six and a half. What the hell is this disrespectful spread? I mean, if last night told us anything, what are you talking about swallowing all those points when there's two great teams going against each other? The reason why we feel so confident about the 49ers swallowing eight there is because the Lions are not competitive. They're not good. Uh, Cowboys were great. We knew that. Bucks were great. We knew that. And it was a bloodbath. And it was a nine-point spread. And it ended up be a two-point game. So... Uh, Steelers plus six and a half. I absolutely love this one. Um, Steelers at the Bills. I understand it, but I mean, folks, just last night, Cowboys on the road against the Bucks, and they were hanging in there the entire game. They were in the game the entire game. It wasn't like they were getting blown out and came back and had a miracle to come back. They were competitive, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tom Brady. No big deal. So Steelers here, great defense. Big Ben, did y'all not see what he did in preseason game number two? Didn't play preseason game number one. Played three seasons in preseason game number two uh, and put up two passing touchdowns. Looked great. What are y'all talking about? Then didn't play preseason game number three. You don't think he's going to be ready to rock here? He was ready to rock in preseason game number two without going in preseason game number one. What are y'all talking about? Ben Roethlisberger will be great. And they got Najee Harris. So the running game is going to be great. And the defense is already great. So I, I don't see, I see this being a bloodbath here, a competitive game. Now, the reason why we have it in the 99% guarantees is because of that half a point hook. If it was plus seven, it would have been in our guarantees, but it is plus six and a half. So if the Bills do win by seven points, we lose the bet, unfortunately, and we see them losing potentially losing by seven points, tie game. Josh Allen leads him down, scores a touchdown, leaves like 30 seconds left for Big Ben to kind of tie it up, and he just can't because there's not enough time. That's the only scenario we see the seven being a factor here. But we love the Steelers. They'll compete offensively. They'll compete defensively. Josh Allen fans in the stands. We'll see if he kind of lives up to it. We believe he does, but that is still a narrative, a potential that could happen. Fans in the stands affect the quarterbacks. Josh Allen had a great season last season. We believe he keeps it up, but if there's anything that throws him off the course of being great, it's the fans in the stands not being able to hear, but he's at home, so it's going to help him out. So overall, we believe in Josh Allen. We love Josh Allen, but I mean, the Steelers team is just as, if not better than the Bills are overall totality-wise. So I'll take the six and a half here, no problem. All right, the next uh, pick in our 99% guarantees, we're going to go Panthers minus four against the Jets here. All right, Sam Darnold revenge game at home against his former Jets team. Expect him to kind of, you know, ball out a little bit. Uh, Matt Rule, second year, Christian McCaffrey. Panthers never got blown out last season. They got blown out once or twice, and that was by the Bucks both times or once. Um, so um, this, uh, this Panthers team, they keep all the games close with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't believe Sam Darnold is an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, but I do believe Matt Rule year two and Christian McCaffrey is an upgrade overall. So I don't think they get blown out. They're at home. Fantastic. On the Jets side, Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback. Robert Sala, rookie head coach. Week one on the road. I don't think it's as buttoned up. So I have faith that this Panthers team can just be game managers, put up the points, not let Zach Wilson put up any points, really anything meaningful, maybe get into field goal 
goal position a couple times, but not scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. We just heard earlier today, Jamison Crowder is out for the Jets. So once again, taking away opportunities and weapons from Zach Wilson, especially week one on the road, is never a good sign. Watch out for Christian McCaffrey and Sam Darnold to kind of, you know, play maybe his best game in his career. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's nobody left in that Jets team. Um, Robert Sala kind of, yeah, Robert Sala did kind of get rid of Sam Darnold and go with Zach Wilson. So, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, Unfor, you know, a little bit of uh, upsetness there by uh, Zach, uh, by Sam Darnold, excuse me. But uh, yeah, we're gonna go Panthers minus four here at home. Really should have no trouble here. Jets aren't anything great, especially Week One, and uh, Panthers with Sam Darnold and all those weapons, they should be able to be good uh, from start to finish. All right, and then our last pick here of the week. In our 99% guarantee section, we are going to go Raiders plus four. All righty. Monday night football, Raiders at home. Now, the Ravens, injury after injury after injury after injury. Running backs, no go. They are probably going to be starting a rookie. We'll see if Le'Veon Bell and Latavius Murray can get up to speed to go by Monday night. Regardless, don't expect the Ravens rushing game, which was the best thing about the Ravens last season, to be up to par, up to good standard, needed to win a game. Now, we believe... Believe Lamar Jackson can just be a pure passer come Monday and beat the and try to be competitive or beat the Raiders with the elite passing game. But overall, just kind of the overall maybe psyche and the chemistry maybe just a little off on the Ravens because of all these injuries. Everybody getting injured and you know that just kind of plays psychologically. Am I going to get injured? Am I the next one up? Are we going to be able to kind of weather this injury storm and not have great running backs that we were all you know big on and working with and our uh, rhythm and timing were all down pat with these running backs that just got taken away from us and these running backs that we haven't even really uh, been around and hung out with and talked to and just kind of be buddy buddies and friends with and teammates and that brotherhood bond with is just not there yet because they were only here three days before game one is kicking off. So, And then Marcus Peters defensively also out in the blocking tight end also out. Just so many injuries and they're on the road and they have to go to Vegas. The spectacle that is Vegas. And then you go against John Gruden and Derek Carr and that should be elite passing offense or just offense overall with Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs and Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr being an elite passer in this league. I just think it's overall a little bit too much for the Ravens to overcome and I get four points with the home team. How can I not take that? Plus, the Raiders are only good the last two seasons in the beginning of the season. So, I mean, everything is just adding up here. Raiders plus four. If Lamar Jackson goes balls to the wall and just proves, hey, y'all thought, thought I was a running back and y'all thought I needed a run game. Well, I just threw for 700 yards and beat this team by 24 points. What's up now? What, what do y'all got to say? That's the potential. And that's, you know, why it's in our 99% guarantee section. Also, John Gruden, we're not the biggest believers in, uh, could also just flounder this kind of a little bit of a gimme game. Every Everything, uh, everything surrounding this game seems to be like, hey, this is the Raiders to win. And, you know, leave it up to John Gruden for not getting it done. So we'll take the Raiders and those four points at home. That's too many points, folks. If it was like three, maybe we go with the Ravens. If it's like only two and a half, yeah, maybe we go with the Ravens minus two and a half. But we're getting plus four points here. You can't turn that down. Week one, home team with uh, injuries freaking up the wazoo for the Ravens. How can we not take this, folks? We'll live and die by it. Raven or Raiders plus four. So that's our three picks in our 99% guarantees. Steelers plus six and a half. Panthers minus four. Raiders plus four. So our overall picks this week are locks. Dolphins plus three and a half. 49ers minus eight. Vikings minus three. And then our 99% guarantees. Steelers plus six and a half. Panthers minus four. Raiders plus three and a half.
Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's see if anything is breaking. Carson Wentz is a starter for Sunday. We knew that was going to happen. It's official. Um, anything breaking here? Um, we don't know if Kenny Galladay is playing Sunday. Once again, off to a slow start. Kenny Galladay, not great. Uh, but that seems to be it, folks. So we will get out of here. We are back tomorrow, Saturday, uh, maybe just shoring up our final predictions and expectations for week one and just getting everybody on the same page and talking the stories of the day. We'll know a little bit more of the ins and outs and who's playing and who's not playing come tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we'll get ready for Sunday. So join us for Saturday, noon Eastern. We're back tomorrow, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow, noon Eastern.